Welcome to episode three of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show. My name is Jeremy Pook. I lead Senior Attorney Match, and I am the Law Firm Seller. Um, so in today's episode, we're going to have three parts. We'll have Q&A, and then we will welcome in a special guest, Attorney Steve Hornstein, and then we'll finish with Pook's post. So let's start with the Q&A, and let's, let's jump right into it. So for our first question today, um, it comes from Steve Fretzen of Fretzen Inc. Um, and Steve is also the host of a great podcast called Be That Lawyer with Fretzen. Steve asks, um, how do I best prepare my law practice for sale? Steve, thanks so much. Great question on the minds of thousands and thousands of attorneys, baby boomer attorneys in particular, that are thinking like, how do you prepare? How do I prepare my law practice for sale? So let's first start with, okay, what do you have to sell, right? What, what it is, uh, what is it that lawyers have uh, of value that they would present to a buying firm? And what we're showing here is that lawyers have and law firms have five components of value. Um, and those consist of the client list and the referral source list. Taken together, that is the book of business of a given lawyer or law firm. And then the additional, what we call value chips, are the goodwill um, that a firm has developed um, over the course of many, many years um, in their community, state, nationally, sometimes even internationally. The subject matter knowledge that lawyers at the firm as well as parish staff have developed over the course of many years. And then more and more as the 2020s continue, um, the digital value that firms develop. And when it comes to utilizing that value, okay, and preparing your law firm for sale, there's really three checklists that, um, that we recommend that attorneys consider when they're considering preparing for a law firm sale. The first, of course, is asking yourself, all right, is now even the right time to sell? Okay, and how do you know if now is the right time to sell? So in this checklist, several of um, the now is the right firm to sell items on that checklist are, well, there could very well be a life event going on. I'm not necessarily talking about a, a health event, but often our clients, um, they identify a certain age, right? Like I just always knew I wanted to retire at age 70 um, or 72, some type of life event that happens in your life. Second is something that we hope people really give a lot of thought to, um, which is, is there realistically a low probability that your internal successor, that is the person that you just wish would walk down the hall and walk into your office and say that they want to purchase your firm, is there really a low probability that that will ever happen? And in our experience, actually, it is a pretty low probability because your internal successor, that is the attorneys who you hired many years ago and that you would love to take over the practice because you look at it as a great opportunity for them to continue the business that really you've developed, they were hired as key employees, and often they just want to stay as key employees. So that's an important one to recognize. And now is the right time to sell because I realize that my internal successor just doesn't really want to purchase the practice and often can't afford to either. And then another point um, is recognizing that in the 2020s, 
growth by acquisition has finally arrived to the legal industry. And recognizing that and preparing for that in terms of just even seeing that there are opportunities that firms want to purchase your firm. I spoke with a potential seller just the other day, and they were surprised that there are five firms that are already interested um, in their in their practice. Um, and then coming out of COVID, um, another reason is, you know, lawyers, like so many of us in society today, they want to spend more time with their family. Right. And so if you're thinking about selling your practice and that you want to have more work life balance, selling is a great way, of course, to introduce them. It doesn't mean you have to automatically retire because many of our clients, when they sell their practices, they really are joining another firm, practicing for a number of years, but improve their work life balance significantly because they no longer um, own the practice. Um, and then a couple other reasons why um, you're preparing for selling is looking at your bottom line. Okay, if your numbers are actually going down for some reason, you still have clients, you still have referral sources. Going back to those five value chips, those are the most important value chips when it comes to selling a firm. And if you start seeing those numbers going down and you're not generating as much revenue as yesteryear, it's really, uh, that is a hint, that is a sign, that that is a bottom line um, reason for considering of moving over your practice to particularly to a growing firm that is certainly going to be interested in the book of business that you have, um, that you've developed. And then another reason that so many of our clients bring up, but we really refer to this one as, as, as almost a red herring, is your, your upcoming lease renewal. Too many lawyers wait too long to consider selling their practice because their lease is going to be up in a couple of years. And we're always recommending just consider your lease as a deal term. Even if you have a couple years left on the lease, if now otherwise would be a right time to sell your practice, then pursue it and it just becomes um, a deal term to consider. Um, in terms of the other checklists for preparing for your firm to sell, um, there's things you should really consider um, updating and organizing. So a bit of a broken record here in terms of the importance of the client list and the referral source list, but let me just say it loud and clear. That is your most valuable asset, your book of business, your client list and your referral source list, the most valuable asset of your law firm. So a top, top priority if you're preparing for selling your law firm is please organize that list. What are the current addresses? What are the current email addresses? What are the current phone numbers? What am I missing? the current cell phone number, right? We text with our clients today. We communicate with people by text. Having the mobile phone numbers um, is huge. Other items in terms of updating is um, your website, your LinkedIn profile um, there, just a small thing, but please update your picture, right? The picture on a website that's like 20 years younger than how you look now, I'm sure you still look handsome or beautiful now as you did then, but it's important to update um, those, those pictures um, as well. And then there's just other things to get your arms around, right? I mean, those contracts that you have that are more than terminable at will, just have an idea and be careful. Like we see that people that will enter into a multi-year copier lease, of course, that multi-year lease for your office is important, um, but try to get your arms around, you know, what are those um, contracts that you have that are more than 30, um, more than more than terminable at will. And that final checklist when you're considering um, preparing for your law firm sale is some of the logistics involved with selling the practice, okay? Um, how are you going to value the practice? Um, are you going to pursue an internal um, sale or an external sale? Is what we call, um, are you going to, well, let me say it differently. Um, do 
you qualify for what we call a law firm sale 1.0 or 2.0. Most sales today are 1.0 based on earnouts. Really, the ways that 2.0 um, comes into play is if you if your firm has really developed real brand value and has real digital value. Um, what's your role going to be? Okay, like I mentioned before, is there a birthday there that you just really want to be all done at 70, or do you want to be off counsel and you can see yourself practicing for many years to come? What is your role going to be? That one, um, and I give credit to Steve Fretzen. He's the person that asks this question. Steve's a great um, lawyer coach, and that's one that's really worthwhile to talk through with friends, family, a business coach. Like, what is your role going to be after you sell or merge um, your um, your business, um, your law, your law firm, client files, your malpractice practice insurance, um, other items that you should be thinking of, and then whether you should involve an intermediary. Um, of course, we can um, offer those services, but involving an intermediary we find um, is very valuable as you're considering to prepare for a law firm sale. So Steve Fratson, thank you so much um, for, that, um, for, that, for that great question. All right, what's our next question? All right, so next question is from an anonymous um, questioner who's in the personal injury law field and asks, um, okay, with a personal injury law firm sale, if it doesn't involve money up front, what's the benefits of quote unquote selling as compared to reaching an agreement for fee sharing with another, with another PI um, attorney with regard to your, your current open cases? Um, so thank you so much um, for that question. We have experience with personal injury law firms. Um, and here, what we're showing is law firm sales 1.0. So the questioner is right, okay? Um, quote unquote sale in what we call law firm sales 1.0 is often an earnout price involved in the sale. That is, the buyers are typically paying the sellers a percentage of the revenues that are coming in from the selling attorney's client list over a period of years, okay, as compared to actually paying um, a dollar a dollar amount um, up front, okay. So to use this attorney's question as an example, okay, in the PI fee, in the PI arena. Sellers of PI firms have habitually, when they're going to sell, approach a, um, a friendly competitor or even a colleague in the same field. They have their number of open cases, can transition those open cases um, over to those, you know, over to that buying firm, often for what I'll call a sweetheart deal, which is something in the neighborhood of, let's say, 50% of the collections that come in um, from, from, the, from those open cases. Um, in law firm sales 1.0, what we're suggesting often is that earnout, which can be paid out over a number of years. So often in our deals, our clients are getting paid a percentage of the revenues that comes in from the clients and the referral sources over somewhere in the neighborhood of three years, five years, seven years, or even longer. Um, so let's put some dollars and cents on this just to give an example. Okay, if this lawyer, let's say, has 200 open PI cases, okay, and let's say that on average those cases settle, okay, just in our example, they all settle for fifty for fifty thousand dollars, okay, and they were one third contingency fees. In that situation, that's gonna generate $10 million, okay, in settlement funds, 
And that's going to generate $3.3 million in revenues to the attorney. That was the inventory that this attorney would be sitting on and when, when looking to retire. And let's assume also that that attorney um, got one-third of his open cases um, came from other attorneys. So he's dishing out one-third of that $3.3 million, which is about $1.1 million, and is left with 2.2. Okay, um, and then makes that sweetheart deal that we talked about. So in the sweetheart deal, that attorney would be getting um, $1.1 million. Now I call that really a half a loaf, okay? Because on the earnout basis, the attorney, if the attorney was negotiating a deal for getting that, that's the typical referral fee as personal injury law attorneys typically do, which is a third of a third, can be less when you have a referring attorney involved. But let's just say they're getting that third of a third for five years, they're going to make more than a one times in revenue. That is more than that $2.2 million payable in this 1.0 earnout price arrangement. So even though it seems like a sweetheart deal when you are simply selling your inventory or transferring your inventory to a buying firm, and the earnout arrangement in our experience, our clients are, are earning significantly more. And the key component when Clients are doing these earnout arrangements in law firm sales 1.0 is what we call trust transfer. Okay, because when an attorney, using this example, if this personal injury law attorney joins a growing law firm, brings over not only the current book of business, okay, but also the phone is still going to ring, the emails are still going to come in, the text messages are still going to come in, and is transferring the trust of those clients that would otherwise be want to be working with that personal injury law attorney to the lawyers at the firm that he or she joins, right? By doing this trust transfer, the clients very often they stick with the firm that the that this that the personal injury law attorney just joined. And as a result, that earnout will come to fruition. And just to show how trust transfer plays out, really plays out in three ways. And those three ways, they consist of an in-person, right? If a would-be client comes into the office, we do the trust transfer across the table from each other. In today's day and age, it's done very often via Zoom. That is, if this attorney, instead of doing the half a loaf approach, and by only transferring the open cases that he had as of the day that he transfers the cases over to the over to a friend a friendly attorney of his if he continues to transfer the trust of of future clients can very easily today do that on zoom from almost any place in the world and then the third part the trust transfer third way the trust transfer is done is via social media and that is Attorneys, similar to this personal injury law attorney, um, have significant client lists. And when they join growing law firms, those firms are more than happy to invest the time, money, and effort to start marketing to your clients that often you didn't have the time, money, and particularly the time to market to your client base. And when they start marketing to your client base via social media, could very well generate more clients 
generates more money during that earnout period. So thank you very much for the question. And in our opinion, uh, the uh, earnout period in law firm sales 1.0 wins the day in our experience as compared to simply transferring your open cases to a friendly competitor or otherwise um, a friendly attorney uh, that also practices in your area of practice, which is here, personal injury law. Okay, our next question. Um, our next question is, how often and under what circumstances will law firm sales generate an upfront payment? So what we're seeing is that upfront payments are, are, are rare still. Uh, because we are in law firm sales 1.0 for the most part, which are based upon um, earnouts. In law firm sales 2.0, we're starting to see fixed prices at closings. And those fixed prices are geared towards the value pegged to digital value and brand awareness. We are now in what we call the 3.0 digital era for law firms. And in that era, more and more firms are generating clients digitally. And when a bank, and let's focus on bank underwriters, right? Because if it's gonna be money that's gonna be coming up front, ideally you're gonna to wanna to borrow from a bank, right? You want a buyer to be borrowing from a bank to be paying a selling attorney upfront money. And that will happen when the selling attorney can show that it's not simply because of the personal goodwill of the attorney that new clients are coming to, it's because the law firm itself has data analytics that supports the digital value and brand awareness that the firm has generated. And when selling firms can show that data analytics, bank underwriters will underwrite paying money upfront in the form of loans to buying law firms.